0: Welcome to the On The Air Podcast, a companion to On The Air Magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host, Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Every month, the On The Air Podcast extends material found in On The Air Magazine to help you learn about the many things the ham radio service and hobby have to offer. The On the Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. In the new January February issue of On the Air, we devote a number of pages to the topic of CW operating. Despite the fact that CW testing hasn't been required for an amateur radio license for several years, Morse coded CW is still very popular on the air. So what's the enduring attraction of a communications mode that's more than 100 years old? Why do so many amateurs still use it with such enthusiasm? Well, Michael Flugeman, KE8AQW, is a veteran CW operator, and I suspect he may have the answers. Let's ask him. Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you today? Good. How about if we start with the most simple fundamental question. And that is, what is the attraction of CW operating to somebody like you and a lot of other hands?
1: Well, I think there's a little something for everybody. If you ask uh, 10 different CW operators, you'll get 10 different answers. But um, for me, uh, I actually really enjoyed, I guess, the challenge of learning uh, Morse code. And now that I can understand it fairly well, It's enjoyable to be listening to it and decode what I'm hearing. Um, For other people, they really enjoy DX hunting, and so a lot of those um, rare DX stations uh, do Morse code, and so they need Morse code to get them. And other people like contesting. A lot of people I know, actually, they enjoy going to the parks on the air or the summits on the air and uh, when you're hiking uh, to your operating position, it's a lot easier to bring a small uh, Morse code rig than it is a lot of other equipment. So those are just some of the attractions, I would say, to being a Morse code operator.
0: What would you say is your favorite activity with Morse code?
1: Well, for me, I think uh, they have some contests, actually. Um, Every week, uh, there is a slow speed uh, event on Fridays and Sundays uh, put on by K1USN, I think is their website, and so it's a good way to help new people to practice and get on the air. And then, of course, I enjoy Field Day and some of the other uh, contests like the ARL November Sweepstakes, and then some of the local contests like the Michigan Cuso Party, where I'm from. So those are some of the operating events that I particularly like.
0: Now, many of the people listening to this podcast are newly licensed amateurs, and for a new ham who is interested in learning Morse code and doing CW, how would you recommend they get started? What, where do they go first?
1: Well, there's lots of resources out there. Um, it's actually um, more, res- more resources than there ever before. There's actually a couple groups that I'd highly suggest they look at uh, joining. Uh, the first one would be the Long Island CW Club. They're an international group, but it was started by a few hams in Long Island, New York. And they have classes over Zoom every night of the week from, I don't know anything, to the Speed Demons. (laughs) And so it's a great community of hams, and so they have a lot of volunteers uh, who just want to give back and help new people learn the code. And then also the other group, which is where I started my CW journey, was uh, CW Ops. And they also have classes. Theirs are a little more structured and are offered um, a few times a year. And so in those ones, uh, a small group will meet with an instructor and they'll meet twice a week uh, for eight weeks. And they have uh, regimented like uh, homework assignments to, uh, and daily practice to help you get up to speed uh, quickly. So I'd highly encourage looking at both or either of those groups. And then besides that, uh there's tons of um resources online one ham i know has a website um and basically he has a whole bunch of practice sets you select the speed you want to listen to and then uh what you want to listen to so if you want to listen to call signs for instance you click on that and it opens a youtube video that you can just listen to and there's hours and hours of content you can listen um cwops also has a bunch of files you can listen to as well as the ARRL website from W1AW. They also have code practice on the air every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Um, And then, of course, there's a bunch of um, uh, computer programs and phone apps. And so there's lots of different uh, resources and tools out there to help you.
0: Would you happen to have the URLs at hand for uh, CWOps and the Long Island Group? Sure. The
1: CWOps is cwops.org. And for Long Island, it's LongIslandCWClub.org.
0: I would imagine when new hams do tune into contests, that comes to mind, and they hear those really fast exchanges, people zipping along at thirty words a minute. They think this is impossible. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. What would what would you say to that?
1: Well, I would say you know it'll just take some time and practice, but. I think anyone can get there, and everyone started um, from zero at some point, so um, don't be discouraged about those. There are a lot of slow speed operating events for practicing, so you don't have to like uh, be—you can get on the air almost instantly after you get uh, know all um, 40 characters, the 26 letters, 10 numbers, and a few punctuation signs, and there's a few frequencies on each band— that you'll find slower ops at so those are great uh places to try and make casual contacts and by making a new contact every day or every week you'll slowly um get better um another group i forgot to mention is the straight key sentry club skccgroup.com uh it's free to join them they don't have any classes per se but they do have some uh operating events every month and uh They are also very willing to make contacts with you. They have like a a scheduling page and you can go on there and say, I'd like to make a contact at, you know, seven words a minute or something or whatever your speed and five people will come back and try and uh, make a contact with you. So they're very friendly.
0: You've just brought up an idea for a question, Michael, and that is for new hams, what is the difference between a straight key and the other type of key that you'll often hear discussed, a set of paddles?
1: Sure thing. So a straight key is basically a simple switch. The operator will control the length of the Morse characters by hand and forms the the tones and the spaces. It's what you might uh, see in an old movie about a telegraph station or like in the movie Titanic um, on the ship. And then another device is called uh, – there's single lever paddles and – dual lever paddles and these ones you actually have a little electronic um uh chip that will control the morse element lengths so you actually have a little potentiometer a knob basically and you crank the knob up and it'll send faster code and you turn it down and send slower code a lot of people say you know what device should i start with and the answer is it's really um personal preference Uh, some people feel that by using a straight key you learn the rhythm of each character and that muscle memory, along with your listening practice, will help you learn the code better. You need to be able to send and receive. You need both sides of the coin to be a good Morse code operator. And then other people prefer the paddle because it's easier to send cleaner-sounding code since it will uh, make the dots and dashes for you. And it sometimes, uh, for some people's hands, uh, the motion is easier using paddles. So I'd suggest uh, find a ham friend who... Has one or both of those, and then try them out. And then there's other devices um, that some people use called uh, bugs or um, sideswipers. But the two main ones, I would say, are the straight key and the paddles, as you mentioned.
0: Which one do you prefer? Most
1: of the time, I use a set of paddles. Um, I own a a key made by Kent, uh, which I like a lot. But I also have uh, my dad's straight key here. Um, He was a ham. So when I got my license, he gave me his equipment. For the Straight Key Sentry Club, all of their contacts are uh, mostly on a straight key or a bug or one of those um, sideswipers. Basically, any sort of mechanical-formed uh, CW sending device is what they use.
0: Now, Since you're using paddles, I have to ask, what is your maximum sending speed that you're comfortable with?
1: Most of the time, I probably send under 25 words a minute. Um, I could maybe send up to 30, but receiving at 30 is a lot more difficult. So I, I typically stay below 25.
0: Now, when it comes to receiving, would you recommend a novice to listen to Morse code on the air or pre-recorded? In other words, uh, If you're listening on the air, you're getting, of course, interference and fading and everything else, whereas with pre-recorded, it's nice and clean. Which do you think would be better?
1: I think when you're starting practicing, it's probably easier to listen to computer-generated code. But, uh, you know, when you're on the air, everyone has their own little fists, their own maybe uh, sending style that might not be strictly perfect, if you will. And you mentioned uh, the fading and stuff. So I would say, you know, when you're initially starting, the computer generated stuff is fine, but eventually you'll have to get good at hearing through the noise. And one of the exercises we do in the Long Island Club is um, they find YouTube videos of old ship telegraph stations and those sound really, really funky. Some uh, signals are coming over each other, and some are chirpy or hummy. And they all, some of them's like, that doesn't even sound like code. But it's a, it's a lot of fun to play with these exercises just to try and expand our minds. But that's more of an advanced uh, exercise. So I would definitely say uh, when you're first learning, you don't have to add all that extra stuff. Starting with clean code is the way to go.
0: And technicians have, and we should emphasize, limited, albeit, but HF frequency privileges specifically for CW, correct?
1: That's absolutely right. If you pull out your nifty band chart, they have Morse code privileges on 80 meters, 40 meters, 15 meters, and 6 and 10. Or Yeah, they have a whole bunch of more privileges uh, other than CW above 10, but below 10, 15, 40, and 80. They can do Morse code day one when they get their license.
0: I do tune around specifically the 40-meter segment where technicians can be heard, and I do hear them uh, on occasion banging away conversations in Morse code.
1: Yeah, you know, um, for anyone who has an interest uh, in HF as a technician, naturally upgrading is a... great uh, way to do it, especially you can do all the other modes. But until you upgrade, you can try out Morse code. And Morse code, there is still a lot of activity between these weekly events and then these different groups that have, you know, you can get certificates and things. So there is a great community out there
0: and lots of people to talk to. Quite a bit of activity. I mean, as much as I enjoy digital operating, I have to say, the one thing about Morse code, well, one thing among many, is that it doesn't require a computer, just your ears.
1: Right. And, you know, there are also, uh, for those who are still learning, there's a lot of computer programs out there that can help uh, decode. So that can take the pressure off of you. So you say, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't hear what he said. Well, you don't have to worry about it, especially when there's tools to help you out there at, the, at that same time.
0: Do you also enjoy just having conversations using Morse rather than, say, contest-type exchanges? I
1: do. Occasionally, I'll get on the air. And it's funny, um, since I started learning Morse code, I think Morse is the, uh, the mode I do most uh, recently. And I'll uh, find one of the SKCC frequencies, the Straight Key Century Club, and there's always someone there. And the nice thing I found about Morse code actually through um, these different clubs I've been in is they have almost a standard format. You know what to expect. They'll say, uh, thank you for the call. My name is this. Your signal report is this. Name is this in this location. And then you come back, send the same thing. And then you can send your rig, power, antenna, weather. And then from there, you can basically go off into what they call a rag chew and you can basically talk about whatever you want mention your profession, mention your hobbies, what you had for dinner, etc. So you can meet some very interesting people that way.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I have, and I'm sure you have too.
1: Oh, yeah. One uh, ham I met on um, Morse code one time uh, was mentioning he built his own key, and I guess he had issues uh, using his hands to send, so he built a device where he could use his breath, almost like playing an instrument. He could make the Morse characters by blowing into a tube. <laughs> I don't recall his um, call right now, but I read about more about
0: the key he built on his QRZ page. That's pretty amazing. Well, thank you, Michael. You've been very informative, and uh, I hope that we'll see many more people, new hams, old hams, doesn't matter, on the air with Morse. We'll love to have them. Love to work them on the air. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, which took a deeper dive into material from the January-February 2022 issue of On the Air magazine. There's still much to explore in this issue, so be sure to catch next month's episode. In the meantime, feel free to send comments about On the Air to OTA at ARRL.org, read our blog at ARRL.org, Forward slash OTA hyphen blog or learn more about ARRL membership at ARRL.org. Until next time, I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY 73.